Mike, what are we talking about on today's episode of Moving the Goalposts? Uh, we recap everything that happened in Super Bowl 55, and we uh, get into it a little bit with WandaVision finally. Yes, yeah, spoilers for anybody who's has yet to watch through episode five of WandaVision. And uh, I don't know, I guess spoilers for the Super Bowl as well. <laughs> Remember, subscribe, leave a rating, review, and tell a friend. Moving the goalposts to wherever you listen. It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Oh, H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. There was a football game last night. Super Bowl 55. Uh, I guess I was listening to the radio. 56% of all televisions in Massachusetts were watching the game, which is the second highest Super Bowl watched in like Massachusetts history. I, I I bet one of those TVs wasn't on at least halfway through. Uh, I bet uh one William Belichick may have turned that one off at halftime. So let's let's um let's hear your thoughts because I think by now I've pretty much claimed my position when it comes to Brady Belichick and, and not even I don't even want to make this about Brady Belichick because that's going to take us down a very 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 dark road mm-hmm. and this is a day of celebration right for some. But the one victory lap that I will take is I think after our first episode, after week one, when they lost to New Orleans and you already started hearing the haters saying, is this going to work out? He didn't get enough time during the offseason. He needs Belichick. Belichick beat Miami with Cam Newton, like all this stuff. And I said, watch, just watch. Yes, you did. And and you know what, I think a lot of yeah a lot of people were quick to jump on jump on that hay train and I mean it happens every year watching this guy because we I mean we did it for twenty years it it's not exactly perfect right away with whatever team he's on it it always takes a, a few weeks and even even this year it felt like it took a little bit longer but the talent was always there like we I think a lot of people knew. At least the way I felt during the whole season is this is a team that's probably going to be in the NFC championship game. Yep. Like this is a team that has that talent that can at least get to those final two teams in their conference. And then up from there, it's a coin, it's a coin toss. And right now I think this is the most impressive Super Bowl, And and not from the standpoint of like, he has all of the talent around him because there's definitely been teams that he's won with that has had less talent, but the path that he went through, um, the, the the Drew Brees situation, the Aaron Rodgers, the, the Taylor Heineke. I was waiting for him to say that guy's <laughs> name last night, too, when he was like, you know, Patrick's, a, you know, defending champion, Super Bowl MVP. Aaron, obviously MVP this year, Super Bowl MVP. Drew Brees won a Super Bowl MVP. And, and Taylor Heineke played really well. <laughs> I was waiting for that in the postgame. Unfortunately, Taylor didn't hear his name get called. But there, there was a tough, it was a tough stretch of teams he had to get through. And there was a lot of people who were on the doubting side going into each of those matchups and a lot of people every week. Some people were coming off the hill, but I think a lot of people were going even more on the 
yeah, he did it against Washington, but he's not going to do it against New Orleans. Yeah, he did it against New Orleans, but he's not going to do it against Green Bay. Okay, he beat Green Bay. They never win. They're, he's not going to do it against the baby goat everybody's called Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's not going to do it. And then he then he went out and did it. I mean, you got to give the guy the credit where it's deserved. And seven, like, like Michael Jordan is in the past now. Mm-hmm. Oh, like Charles Haley's even further in the past now. Mm-hmm. Like, you're getting up to, like, battling with coaches <laughs> you're yes. getting up to you're going up phil jackson bill russell like that's that's who you're going up against now you 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 are talking about a player who has transcended not only the league but the game right he's won more than any franchise mm-hmm. ever right in the super bowl era it's crazy and you know i think Last night, after about one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, because I did have to work, I started to realize, okay, this is kind of overkill. I can see how people would be bitter. It's like, you see, it's the same fucking thing year after year after year. Like, imagine this one was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Imagine if he does it another two out of three years after this and New England continues to be a distant memory. We'll get to experience what everybody else experienced for exactly. We will be avidly rooting against Tom Brady because all he does is win. And all he does is shatter the hopes and dreams of football fans across the country. Mm -hmm. Now I'm curious to know what your thoughts on Patrick Mahomes performance was Uh, going into the game. There was obviously talk about him dealing with some turf toe and, and excess pain and, um, and we'll get to the uh, Britt Reed, Andy Reed situation as well. You know, I think we should touch on that. But how do you think Mahomes played throughout the the course of the game? Not necessarily isolated moments, but his overall play in Super Bowl Fifty Five. What did you think? So I think he played fairly well. I think he fa- played almost well, like well enough to be in the conversation in that game. Like they, that game should have been a lot closer than it was. I think it comes down to two things. I, one is the injury to his offensive line, missing both tackles, was a huge problem. You saw Shaq Barrett in the backfield all day. Um, and then the second one is there was a lot of drops there. There were a lot of passes that hit guys in the hands or in the face mask um, yeah. that that just sh- it shouldn't have happened. I, I watched Travis Kelsey and a guy who's as sure-handed as he is. He, I mean, he had 10 catches. He had three or four, five catches that should have he should have had. Instead, they, they marked down his drops and – that goes down against Patrick Mahomes. He finishes with no touchdowns and two interceptions, which is it's it's going to hurt people's perception of him. But I don't think he was nearly as bad in this game as I think people will remember him as. No, I think I think Tony Romo laid it on a little thick with the injury because he was moving pretty well in and out of the pocket. It was in between plays that you saw him kind of gimping a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think the toe obviously affected him. But, right. you know, I turned and asked the person I was watching the game with and I was like, can't they just kind of like shoot him up below the ankle and numb his foot? And they're like, well, you don't want to do that because he, if you don't feel your foot, I mean, you could snap an ankle. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you could snap an ankle anyway. Right. If you numb up your foot, you're not going to feel it at least. Right. So. I feel like guys do it every week. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think the injury to him was as big as uh, of a deal. Because I was, I was curious. And the only reason I bring it up was because if it was one of those injuries where you could take a shot at halftime, which we've seen so many quarterbacks, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I think is the 
high Aaron Rodgers at the end of that game doing mm-hmm. the post game press conference, but he always has the Southern accent at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah. Because he's fucking loopy from the shot. He takes at <laughs> halftime. He's still on the painkillers, but it's, I was thinking that it's like, all right, you go into halftime. Your team has not necessarily played poorly. You've just been stupid and selfish with the penalties. But once you get going, your offense is going to be able to carry you. And it's going to be one of those. Okay. We've got the ball for, 90 seconds we go four plays 75 yards and a touchdown mm-hmm. i thought it was coming but it, it never did it never happened and i'm i'm thinking to myself well maybe he didn't take a shot maybe there was no shot for him to take so could it have really affected him that much no i like i said i don't i don't think it's i don't think it was the injury i'm, I'm sure i'm sure it affected him like don't get me wrong i, I don't think he was faking having turf toe but i just i think the fact that they had pressure on him all night. I don't remember the exact total, but I heard this morning that he had ran for something like 450 yards I or 500 was, yards. I think it was 498 yards. Right. Mm-hmm. Before throwing the ball. That's insane. Like for a guy to be chased around that much. I mean, you saw him. He had the the one pass running to the left sideline where he threw it out of bounds and it almost looked like a great catch in the end zone. Yeah, and it, it bounced. Uh, right. That one was incredible. And obviously his one ro- scrambling to the right and throwing basically parallel to the ground and throwing 20 yards and a complete complete rope. I mean, uh, he was impressive. He's but, so physically fucking talented that it's kind of disappointing that he had the game that he had, but right. it's like you said, the offensive line and the receivers not getting open. It's, it is what it is. You know, Tampa's defense played well. Right. And they got, they got down, which I think is a, is a big problem for them. Cause like they ran pretty well. Ooh. Like, I mean, normally, they like, always get down though. They do. Uh, but like, they didn't like, if you think about it, like if Clyde Edwards Hilaire is running for seven yards a carry, like he was, like I would have used that maybe a little bit more, especially if you can't pass protect. Well, was he running for seven yards of carry when they were only down by a possession or two? I, I'd have to look up the splits for that, I guess. Because as soon as as soon as you start looking at like Travis Kelsey, ten receptions for I think hundred and fifty yards or something. Yeah. It's all garbage time. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill's numbers was all garbage time. You know, if you're playing a soft zone shell and you hand the ball to Edwards Alaire and he takes it seven yards a carry. It's maybe not garbage time at that point, but I know what you're saying. I know I, I I do agree with you. There was it seemed as though there was more Kansas City could have done as far as adjusting because Tampa was really just playing straight up too high safety. Right. You know, they would change it up a little bit between man and zone, but they were really only sending four rushers. A lot of that shit underneath would have been open, like those crossers and and anything from uh you know like a wheel route to try and get the running back in some form of a you know a mismatch on a linebacker if you they did nothing they did mm-hmm. absolutely nothing and it's not even like they just lined up and snapped the ball they just didn't change their mentality their game plan was totally wrong right yeah I, like i said uh even like i i i understand what you're talking about with the with the running game i just for a team to run the ball as well as they had been during that game, even with those, who knows when the, those those exact carries came, to have only twelve rushes in a playoff game, it do, it doesn't really win you games as much. And I know this team isn't built to run 
Like that, that's not obviously not their thing, but if it's working, go at them. And, and you drafted a, a running back with your first round pick this year. You that drafted a running thing. back with your first round pick. You acquired Le'Veon Bell uh, last year. You, oh my God, you know what I just realized? What's that? Sean McCoy's got two fucking rings. Mm-hmm. Back-to-back championships. It's pretty good. <laughs> and he didn't play in either game. <laughs> for, a guy who, for a guy who didn't do a single thing, he, he was pretty good. <laughs> It, it, it justifies the beginning of his career in, in Philadelphia. Now he can say he's like a two-time champion and, and you know, high-quality player, at least at right. the beginning. He's making uh, up for it. But they just, there were no adjustments. And Andy Reid in the postgame said, uh, we didn't expect them to play the way that they did, meaning Tampa Bay. And we hadn't prepared for it. Now, his, his focus was probably elsewhere. Right. Um, anytime you have an off-the-field incident that involves something that's life-threatening, it almost always takes the focus away mm-hmm. from the stuff that's on the field. Um, I actually don't criticize his post-game comments the way I think I've, I've heard some others Uh, basically what he said was my heart goes out for, you know, the little girl and everybody that was affected. And, um, the game plan was put in before it had nothing to do with football. So it's a separate issue and we can't really comment on it because we don't have anything else to say. So if you ask the questions, we're just going to have to decline them because the only thing we can do right now is nothing. There's nothing that can be done. Uh, it's it's a challenging issue. Uh, nobody ever wants to be put in that situation on, on either side. I mean, I do think it played more of an impact than they'll let on. Yeah, I, I can I can probably agree with that. Anytime you have a situation like that, it's going to it's going to take people's minds elsewhere. Um, especially when it happens to the family of the head coach. I think that can certainly affect things. Um, not not that that is an, an excuse for them or anything. It's just I, I do understand that it, there are probably some other things that were in their minds other than football. And it, it is their job to focus on on the task at hand. But as, as we've seen in, in many occasions, like it doesn't always work like that. And uh, sometimes you need to think about these situations. And I guess we don't know the full details of anything that happened that night. Um, but it's uh, it, it is very a very tough situation, especially if um, it's putting the life of a child at, at risk. And and your someone in your family may be responsible for that. Right. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. And you know, I think I can speak on. Uh, on behalf of both of us that, you know, we obviously want the best things to happen and the best results possible for, uh, you know, that girl and and her family and and everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting back to the game, though, it seemed like Tyron Matthew was a little upset at times, uh, got into it with Brady right at the end of, you know, the second quarter, just before halftime. What was his problem? Who was he mad at? There was a couple videos that I saw of him. He came over to Brady. Brady went right back at him as he does because he has that competitive fire. Um, and he 
told him that he was going to throw at him, and then he did throw at him, and they got a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He tweeted out after the game, uh, Tyron Matthew, and then deleted it, that Brady called him something that he won't share. Now, in everybody's mind, yeah, everybody knows what that goes to. Yep. I can't picture Brady doing that. <laughs> it's it, Okay. It, it's not even that you can't picture him doing it. The reaction would have been much different. Uh, yeah, definitely. would have been way different. And there are there. It, it I, would have been maybe like taking off your helmet and maybe beating the guy. Maybe I, can, I cannot think of a, a time recently, at least, where a player has been uh, called that, and they're not comfortable going out to the media and being like, "Yeah, that's what he said to me." Right. Like I'm not the I'm the victim here. I will mm-hmm. defend myself. Like I'm not smearing the guy. It's what he said. Right. That's why. I don't. I didn't follow the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph thing very quick uh, closely, mm-hmm. but it did sort of seem like there wasn't a lot of credence behind what Miles Garrett was saying because right. nobody else really. You were offending a lot of people, especially right. and people on your own team. Mm-hmm. That word like that. That is exactly why I was a little bit, um, a little bit. Uh, less I wasn't as likely to believe everything that was being said just because you will have guys on your own team like that goes against your own teammates and that goes against people who they're not going to have your back in that scenario because that goes deeper than the then oh we're we're, we wear the same clothes on Sundays (laughs) like it's it's a little bit different so so just a bit so now he now it's got me thinking like what did what did Brady say to this guy? Because there's a lot of good trash talkers in the NFL, and there is Brady might be a, among them. But I just can't imagine like putting yourself in that position that Tyre Matthew put his team in. I I just don't I don't understand what he would have said that would have pissed off Tyre Matthew that bad. So I don't. I don't really know what it is that he said. Someone was like, oh, he probably called him like a bitch or like a sorry player. I actually did think for one second that the term boy gets thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. And it also can be interpreted as like a demeaning, racially charged term. Yeah. But Tyron Matthews, like 28, 29 years old. Tom Brady's 43. Right. So I very easily could have seen him like you you better like keep that mouth shut boy like be careful who you're talking to like that type of thing I could I could see that being the case mm-hmm. um but not I, something I thought of while the game was going on who knows Tyron Matthew better than Bruce Arians right like what's going to get under that guy's skin Mm-hmm. what you can say to him that's going to kind of like tweak him or piss him off because coming into the league, he was this uh, kind of unhinged, unpredictable player. It's why he fell in the draft. His NFL career has not been like that at all. So Bruce Arians probably figured out how to rein him in. Right. Which means he also probably knew how to let him loose. So maybe uh, Arians should get a little bit more credit than he's giving himself for that Super Bowl victory. Because uh, post game, he was like, maybe my favorite Bruce Arians quote of all time. I didn't really do anything. 
minutes after winning a Super Bowl. I just, I just showed up to work. Yeah. He's like, I didn't do anything. Like he, he gave all, all the credit he gave was to the players, mm-hmm. to the other coaches. He, I mean, he, it's not like he had to hold anything back. I think everybody pretty much figured out what the reason was why they won. I mean, their, their coaching staff, their, their scheme for this game and their players played unbelievably, uh, unbelievably well. Mm-hmm. Bruce Arians has also won like coach of the year twice though. Hasn't he? Yeah. I think he's up there. I, think, he, I, think I know he's he, at least once or twice. He definitely won it in 2012 in Andrew Luck's rookie season. Mm-hmm. And then I think he won it again in Arizona. Bruce Arians isn't an awful coach. It's just that so many coaches in the league are bad. Yep. And I mean, is it safe to say that Tom Brady covers up for bad coaching decisions now? He can he can definitely do the most that he can. Like maybe if if he were in a scenario where like I don't know, like just completely made up. Like if a cornerback like didn't play in the Super Bowl, I'm just pulling this out of nowhere. Um, but if like your starting cornerback didn't play. I bet he would go out and like throw like like at least five hundred yards or something. Yeah, he might not win, but he can he can get you there. If, if that scenario, yeah, if that scenario happened, of course. I, I was as they got to the end of the game, and I'm looking at the scoreboard, and I'm like thirty-one to nine. This is how come we never got this as a Patriots fan? And talk about like being spoiled. Like we're complaining that oh we got six championships, but we never got to like really relax and. It watch. was never an easy one. Man. Yeah, like. <laughs> But I'm I'm watching the game unfold and I'm like 31 to nine. Like that's that's a blowout. Is this his greatest performance? And the reason I say no, he didn't face a lot of adversity in the second half of the game. No. He just he didn't. Uh threw for two hundred and one yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, which the no interceptions is probably the most impressive thing. Mm-hmm. Uh get one called back. That that's he did. Yes, he did. Uh, but that Super Bowl against the Eagles is on another level. In four quarters, five hundred five yards, three touchdowns. Uh, it, it's the strip sack and the lost fumble is is a is the mark on the performance. But it's also the most points, or the second most points that his team's ever scored in a Super Bowl at thirty three. Mm-hmm. So his offense produced more in a game where he produced more. Just because he didn't win it, that's that's that sort of like uh, the silver line or the thin line between best performance and just something that gets forgotten. Mm-hmm. And, and who who knows? Like if this was more of a game, Brady probably doesn't hand the ball off to Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones like a thousand times in the second half. Right. I mean, they were going for not just a kill shot, but a statement at the end when it was like third and eleven or or maybe third and one and they go play action and they try and chuck the ball down the field, like 40 yards <laughs> when they were up by 22 with like two and a half minutes left to go. It was just like, uh. <laughs> good to watch though. I, I enjoyed it. I, I had, it's probably the most fun Super Bowl I've watched that d- didn't include the Patriots, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, as far as quality of games go, it's probably not going to be up there as one of the more memorable, high quality games um, outside of probably the. 
I mean, I can't really think of a, a, a great, fantastic all-time play. The, the plays that are going to stand out to me, at least short-term, are going to be the penalty calls. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Mike Evans flopping. It's going to be the soft call on, uh, on Evans again from Matthew in the end zone. Those are going to be the things that I'm just going to be. There wasn't, there was never a highlight real play. At least I'm not remembering one. And, and I do think some of the calls were, and people will say this as, as like chiefs fans and people who hate Tom Brady will, will obviously say that there, there were a lot of penalties that went uh, a certain way. Um, I think a lot of them were deserved, but I think the question to me, like, are balls uncatchable anymore? Right. Because that one in the end zone, I mean, that was five feet over Mike Evans' head, who is like 6'5". So, like, what are the chances that guy's getting that? So you should – those those are the type of things that shouldn't be called. Obviously, the um, the one down the left sideline to Evans, the one where you talked about his flopping, it's a, that's a tough – it's a tough call to make because he did get – he did get touched, but it wasn't like – it wasn't like he he caused the that contact or the defender purposely caused that contact. The guy fell down. I mean, is flopping technically a penalty? Unsportsmanlike conduct, I guess, is what you would call it. But I don't know if anybody's ever been called for unsportsmanlike conduct for trying to draw a penalty. Right. If anything, they just don't throw the flag. Yeah. And, and I think that's what a lot of people, probably including myself, just for watching the game, would have liked to see in some of those scenarios. Like even on the interception that Brady threw, that was as close to not being holding as I've ever, right. like it was borderline. Like you were getting real ticky tack on, on an interception like that to call that back. I do. And, I, I, I do always like the mentality of if the penalty doesn't affect the play in a positive or negative way, there's no need to call a penalty. Right. As a, I, I completely agree with that. The one last thing I have on this game is to call out your boomer ass real quick about the halftime show because I oh, saw you. No. <laughs> I saw you saying some bad things about the weekend, <laughs> and I, for one, will not stand for it. <laughs> okay. All right. I like the weekend's music. I thought that performance was fucking insane <laughs> it, it was weird it, i forget who sent the tweet out but they were like remind me to take mushrooms and watch this performance again so i can understand <laughs> what's going on that's what it was i don't think the weekend is i've never seen him perform live i think he's got a good voice i like his beat mm-hmm. you know i'm into that like r&b type style with some some tempo there was like there was no choreography there was this awkward exchange of like he was in the stands and then he wasn't in the stands and then he runs through this hall of mirrors top notch meme by the way mm-hmm. shout out to it's gonna be good. shout out to uh the people that use that immediately because ooh Hopefully it doesn't die quickly though with like it will. over overkill. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I think it definitely has that potential. But it, it was just like, and then the blinding lights thing. <laughs> I think I would have given him, and that's why I waited until the end of the show 
before really giving my like my take on it. If he hadn't played Blinding Lights for the millionth time in the last year, I think I would have been okay with it. I think mm-hmm. at the very I, least I would have been like, eh, it was weird. Wasn't my thing. I wasn't really paying attention, but it wasn't that. It wasn't awful. You know, for me, I, and I, I do agree that they've kind of they've kind of overplayed blinding lights. And I think that happened. I mean, that happens with music on the radio. And who oh. listens to the radio? Who listens <laughs> to the radio? Because because th- th- that's where that's where songs go to die. Because um, yes. there's a lot of good songs that just get overplayed and you never want to hear them again. The theme of that whole the of the whole performance to me, it was cool to see. I feel like you're looking at me like I'm I, I was on the mushrooms last night. What I was theme? What theme? If you his all of his music videos were all in that performance for this out al- for like who the album just music videos <laughs> that, that is true maybe Talk I about am... who listens to the radio who watches music videos anymore music maybe videos. i am the boomer here 2004 with trl like maybe fuck, I'm the last the, boomer here. I, the last music video i think i watched was probably uh a drake one hotline bling maybe hotline bling when he's doing the dance and then yeah and i got i got about halfway through it and i was like nope <laughs> well for for apparently my boomer ass, I will say that in all of the music videos, he's doing all of these things from the music videos. Like that whole album that he, the most recent one he came out with, it like shows different stages of him. So like he starts, he has like all the bandages that you saw on all the other guys that that was uh, one of the parts of his music videos. He's walking through. Shout out COVID. Shout out COVID. Um, he walking through the, that mirrored hallway that was part of the music videos. His whole his whole getup, his whole his whole outfit was he wore that in almost every single one. So to me, like it was just like oh, like you're getting to see some of that come into the performance. Because for people who haven't seen the music videos, maybe maybe it touches a little bit more. But for you, apparently <laughs> apparently not. See, the reason why I wanted to call you out is because. I saw so many people, mostly older people, being like the weekend. Mostly who, older people. <laughs> who is the weekend? Mostly who, older people. He goes, <laughs> okay. Who, who is this guy? The weekend. Who? Who is like he's he's stealing Michael Jackson sound? Where is my Bruce Springsteen? Where is my the Who? Like, eventually we gotta realize like there's new music. <laughs> Can I also say the heart? Of, and I'm gonna pull it up. The heart of my tweet last night wasn't even supposed to be about the weekend. Mm-hmm. It was really supposed to be about Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. This is this is what I tweeted out. Don't let that shitty halftime performance by the weekend distract you from the fact that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski are the early favorites for Super Bowl MVP. That's that that's what it was supposed to be about. That's the heart of it. I, I do want to say though, the the tweet I sent out right after that. Uh, with the guys in the bandages in the marching band or whatever they were doing. I do think if I went back in time, I could become a backup dancer if I dedicated myself to it because <laughs> it doesn't look that hard. No, it really doesn't. Uh, I just don't know how much money they make. That that was going to, I was going to tweet back at you and say you, yeah. And you'll make like a thousand dollars a year. <laughs> but you have the story. I right. was in the half to, I was left shark. Can't prove it. But uh, it was me. I'm sure I'm sure left shark probably made a lot of money because there was only two sharks. 
So you think about that salary. I mean, it's pretty decent. He's splitting 50% of the profits and he's doing <laughs> and 100% of the work. And you don't even have to be good at what you're doing. Cause that, the, that was the whole part of the left shot. Cause that they were terrible. Uh, that, so, so I'm glad, I'm glad I got that off my chest. Okay. Maybe, maybe we, uh, maybe your criticism was a little bit different than what I took it as. And you know what? I'm, I'm willing to accept that you didn't love the halftime show, but as a weekend fan, um, uh, I was, I was a little hurt. Now I'm a little bit better. You do have a leg to stand on though. in calling me a boomer because my favorite all-time halftime show is Super Bowl 36 with you two. <laughs> And it's not just because of the like emotional appeal of 9-11. Yeah. It's because I like listening to you too. <laughs> See, that's the thing for me is I can't stand you two. I think you two is terrible. <laughs> My weekend on the internet was 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 an interesting one. I I got called white. I did see that. I did out see of that. nowhere. Mm-hmm. Did not know how to I mean that one. Fact, factually correct. Yeah, it's true. I am white. <laughs> you white? You been at like? <laughs> you are white. It's true. I am white. That is, that is true. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was an interesting one. Uh, the weekend started off pretty great though, pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. We uh, we had a new episode of Wandavision, which we've been meaning to talk about for some time now last episode we had an opportunity or i had an opportunity to chat about it with andrew very shortly but i wanted to kind of like get into more of the nitty-gritty with you because i know you said you're an mcu fan i want to know how much of like a deep rooted (laughs) theorizing marvel fan you really are because this is one of those shows and and big time spoilers for everything up until episode five because i don't want to put any restrictions on it uh, I want, I want to hear what you think is going on in this show because we haven't had a single chance to talk about it yet. Right. So up until episode five, basically what we've figured out is that Wanda is in this like bubble almost that right? The hex as they call it now. And she's manipulating or controlling the minds but also the matter around her to put on this like fictitious sitcom that just rolls through these decades and the people that are the actors in it are civilians Mm -hmm. that have gone missing most of them most of them and wanda has found a way to resurrect question mark vision mm-hmm. but he knows something's up I and mean, he knows how, how can you not he know he knows about as much as we do because i still have no fucking idea what's going on so what what are you what do you think about the show and what do you think is happening in the show so i like a lot of other um I wouldn't say like fringe fans, but newer fans to the MCU. I, I, I mean, I only started watching them probably um, five or six years ago when I really got that's into all bad. of them. That's not, that's not too long. Okay, good, good, good. Um, I went into the first couple episodes and I, because obviously it was, it was more of the sitcom part. You didn't get to see um, a lot of the backstory 
or what was going on in the outside world. I was like, is this really what this is going to be? Because if this is what the show is going to be like, I really don't want to watch it. And I, I waited a few weeks. I didn't get to watch um, three or four the last couple of weeks. Um, and then yesterday I, I watched three, four and five all, all in a row. That's um, so I got, I got to experience like the three so far, the three best episodes of the five that have come out. And there, there are a lot, there are a lot of thoughts that I have. Wanda, we got to see her go into the, was it shield or sword who had it was sword. visions sword. So sword had visions body. We got to see her go in and collect that body. And we got to see the quick change of vision, seeing him uh, with the like, the stone taken out of him. And we got to see his like dead face for a second while he was talking. So obviously we're dealing with like Wanda reanimating things and changing how people think. And we got to see vision do his little trick where he touched uh, what's his name's temples. Norm. 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 Can't forget Norm. Norm's temples, and he got to like snap back to reality, which was a great change. Great acting by by Norm, by the way. I, I agree. Thought, I thought that was incre- an incredible scene. But I actually, so real quick about, about I want to touch on that because the same th- same thought crossed my mind for the exact opposite reasons, though. I thought he was better acting as the Norm character mm-hmm. than he was when it was like, oh my god, where am I? Where's my sister? My is my father okay? Like all that. Right. I I was like. Oh, this feels kind of weird because he's in this position where he's like over dramatizing something that we don't know exists, but then him immediately snapping back into that other character. I thought that transition was fantastic. Right. Um, I've, I loved getting to see the little bits of what happened in the first couple episodes, but you get to see it from the outside, outside of uh, the town um, with the, uh, the beekeeper going in through the sewer and the the drone that they had going in. The conversation has been had a thousand times. Who is the most powerful of the Avengers or, or the group in, in the MCU? Wanda's Wanda's putting up a real good case for herself right now. Cause the things that she's able to do, if she is able to take over a whole, a whole town, there are people theorizing that uh, I was doing a lot of digging onto to Reddit this morning and yeah. in the in the annals of the internet, and uh, a lot of people are saying that she's going to be the next uh, bad guy, the next villain um, in Doctor Strange's movie. So, uh, Wanda Maximoff is a very, and this is where I can kind of like hook we're you about up to a ner- little bit. We're about yeah. to nerd out a little Here bit. You go. <laughs> Wanda Maximoff is a very interesting character. Wanda Maximoff in the comic books is actually a mutant, something that uh, to this point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they have not touched upon because Disney did not own the rights to the X-Men. X-Men, obviously, like Wolverine, all those guys. Uh, So Wanda is a mutant. Her twin brother, Pietro, is also a mutant, Quicksilver. Mm -hmm. They are the son and daughter of brotherhood leader magneto okay and one of the comic book storylines that a lot of inspiration is being drawn from for wandavision is called house of m and it's essentially this story that post uh an avenger storyline that happens where uh i think it's hawkeye dies 
and he dies at the hands of Wanda, of Scarlet Witch. And they're like, what's she going through? She seems to be losing her mind. And I don't, I don't fully remember if they ever touch on like the mental state of it. But what she does is through her powers without realizing exactly what's going on, because she's almost like comatose the entire time. She takes away all of the mutant abilities from the mutants on the planet and creates this world where mutants are not just the bad guys, but if you have a mutation, you're like automatically sentenced to death of some sort. Like it's it's this very trippy uh, post-apocalyptic type society, but it's almost supposed to be a utopia for human beings. Right. So maybe that's what she's kind of created in Westview mm -hmm. is this place where it's not a utopia for everybody except her and for everybody else it's like it's post-apocalyptic on the outside it's all these people that are maybe suffering and going through you know who knows what's going on again but there's probably some some type of tie-in where Wanda's manipulating these people I just I just don't know exactly what it is so is she the most popular uh, most powerful character in the Avengers it's tough to say because in the MCU, she gets her powers from the infinity stone. Mm -hmm. she, she gets her powers from the mind stone, which is also what gives vision his powers. Right. So can you be more powerful than an infinity stone? I don't know. It's kind of tough. Mm -hmm. It's tough to get like really comic booky. You actually have to be more powerful than the average human being to wield the infinity gauntlet because the power of, well, no, they touched on it in the MCU too. Cause when yeah. they, their hands get all like, so I don't know, but Jimmy Woo does say that she went hand to hand with Thanos and would have taken him down. If not for the blitz, that's definitely possible. I mean, people, uh, let's let's talk about side character Jimmy Woo here is one of the best characters in the MCU. I had no idea he was in Ant Man and the Wasp. I totally forgot about him. Yeah, he he was. He, I mean, he's been in, and I also forgot that. Uh, isn't he the guy? Wasn't he in the episode of The Office too? Yeah, he's Jim. Yes. So I, I remember him being in Jim, and some one of the the guys I was watching it with yesterday was like, "That's Jim," and I was like, because he he wasn't as into the movies. I was like, oh, yep. you're, you're right. I for, I completely forgot that was that was fake Jim for that one day. But or people, real Jim. Or, or real Jim. Who knows? Um, people have been talking about him getting a spinoff in like their own like X-Files style, um, uh, like FBI agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. type uh, show with just following around Jimmy Woo. And that's something I'm definitely in for. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I, I can't say it would be the first show that I would watch if given another option, but anything marvel's touched recently has been gold mm -hmm. i mean anything disney's touched recently has been gold i know you're not a mandalorian star wars guy but they've just been spitting out all this incredible content over the last several months or last few months and they're going to be doing it really through the end of the year i think i think i said in the last episode to andrew like 48 of the 52 weeks in 2021 there's going to be new marvel content so mm -hmm. it's pretty exciting yeah it's going to be so like the next few episodes are going to be very, very interesting, obviously. Um, Wanda at the end of that last episode threatened everybody yes. <laughs> outside of Westview. Um, they don't really have a way unless Vision actually fully turns on her. 
to Sopper. Which if if I think like if we get into theories, maybe maybe we'll do some like some some of our own theories of where we think things are gonna go. I do think they're going to position Wanda as a villain because those were her origins mm-hmm. in both the comics and in the movies. It was and they pointed out it wasn't until she gained the favor of the Avengers or the Avengers gained the favor of her that she saw they were on the side of good. They weren't the bad guys anymore, but it is like inherent in her that the Avengers are the bad guys. And, you know, you've got that whole thing that happened in, was it Lagos or something in in a civil war where, you know, she's trying to do good, but every, nobody knows that. Mm -hmm. It's like, it is the equivalent of, did you ever, did you see Man of Steel? Yep. So it's the Superman theory. Here comes this alien who's been living with us for 30 years, 33 to be exact, if we're talking about <laughs> Superman, because, you know, Jesus. Right. And all of a sudden, the most powerful being on the planet that's been living among us for three decades is a good guy is a bad guy how do we know how do we know that we can trust them it's you really don't so when it comes to wanda yeah she's done some pretty evil shit and bad shit in her past and we don't know if we can trust her um have you any familiarity with x-men movies so x-men is something i haven't really uh, dove into yet okay. uh, all, all that there, often there, but I ha- is... the only the only one i have watched is is logan which was a great movie <laughs> i heard really good things about logan i'm not a big x-men guy i've tried to get into it recently uh someone's in the comic book industry there's a saying about the x-men that they are i forget the word but it's basically because they have so much to do with like timelines and time travel it's so dense if you try to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. It, 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 don't even bother. Right. And because they're just, it's mutants. Like you could be a mutant, you could be an X-Men. It's more of a mutant book than an X-Men book. Mm-hmm. Like there's millions of characters. Right. Millions of characters. One character in particular makes an appearance at the end of this episode. And it's the jumping off point that we have to kind of tease what should be coming down the pipeline in Marvel. And that mm-hmm. is the the opening of the multiverse and bringing in characters that fans are familiar uh, with, but the characters aren't. Right. Wanda and Vision are arguing. The credits are rolling, which I thought was was super clever. It was very good. Very well done. Credits are rolling. She's like, nope, we're done. Episode's over. Vision's like, I don't think so, honey. We're going to talk this out. We're going to figure out what's going on. And they're showing like the directors and the actors and everything. Really cool. And then all of a sudden the door rings or there's a knock on the door. And Wanda's like, I didn't cause that. And he's like, well, how am I going to trust you anyway? Like even Vision doesn't trust Wanda at this Mm -hmm. point. And she opens the door. And we see from behind, there's this guy standing there in like a leather jacket of some sort and this silver hair. And I immediately knew who it was. I don't know if you had any inkling of who I you thought actually. it was going to be. And standing there in front of her, Wanda says her brother's name, Pietro. Mm-hmm. And the camera pans and it's Evan Peters 
Quicksilver from the X-Men universe, like Days of Future Past, Apocalypse, all that. And I knew it was going to happen because there was a casting call and and or there was a cast release and he was like saying, oh, he's going to be in the show. So I knew they were going to be doing something with it. There was a interview or report of some sort last week where somebody asked Elizabeth Olsen, who's the actress that plays Wanda, Mm -hmm. can we expect a Luke Skywalker level reveal by the end of this season? And she said, yes, absolutely. Do you think them revealing a new Quicksilver from the X-Men universe is that Luke Skywalker reveal, or do you think we're going to be getting an even bigger cameo appearance or first appearance or something like that? So I think uh, I, the way, the way I look at that is I think that just the introduction of just Quicksilver and bringing like having it be Evan Peters may not be what she was talking, but the, the deeper part of it, what you talked about having the ability that, there are other universes. X-Men could come over. Eventually, we're going to get Deadpool. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> but having that possibility of all of these characters who, again, the audience is familiar with, you'll get more people involved. I think that could be what she was talking about. I don't know if Pietro is as big of, obviously, not the level of the main character of one of the greatest franchises from what everybody says um, in Mm -hmm. cinematic history. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But if it's not, if it's not him, what, what other character could we be seeing here? So we've yet to determine exactly who the lead villain is going to be in phase for or whatever they're calling this, the the, the post end game, mm-hmm. you know, post Thanos, what who they're going to be building up to. Um, I'm going to throw a name out there that you may or may not be familiar with. If you were searching up and down on the Marvel subreddits, you probably have come across it. Mephisto, ring a bell? The name, but I don't know much about him. Okay, Mephisto in the Marvel universe is essentially the devil. He's 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 not like a mutant or a superhuman being or like a, a metahuman, you know, anything like that. He's supposed to just be the devil, but he's been given the name Mephisto. Mm-hmm. And what he does, one of the more famous storylines of Mephisto, at least that I'm familiar with, is uh, he likes to cut deals with people, you know, make cut a deal with the devil. There's a Spider-Man story where Peter Parker and Mary Jane have been married for probably about 10 or 20 years. And Aunt May, who at this point's probably in her 90s, uh, falls ill. And Peter is heartbroken. And Mephisto comes up to him and says, hey, Pete, I'll cut a deal with you. I'll keep your 90-year-old aunt alive if you give me your marriage. If I get to undo the marriage between you and Mary Jane so that it never happened, I'll keep your fucking crypt aunt who should have been dead 20 years ago alive for another six months maybe who knows mm-hmm. and he's like okay fine i'll do it and it ruins spider-man continuity forever <laughs> either way so, mephisto likes mephisto likes to cut deals with people there is a theory out there that 
uh, all of the members of Westview are individuals that cut deals with the devil. And that's why there are no children there. And mm. that's why there's kind of this like control over them from Wanda, but she doesn't have complete control over them. And Vision can tap into it because Wanda's deal with the devil was we'll bring back Vision if you control like my living hell in the hex. Wow. I don't think that's going to happen at all, by the way. But it would be really cool if it did. <laughs> and that's what's so fun about these these shows and the MCU is these theories because they pulse just a little bit from all these storylines that are huge that have been going on for like 60 or 70 years. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's familiar and that's familiar. How are they going to link the two? Are they going to pull something else from a story that's already been done that I'm familiar with? Or are they going to create their own thing? And and the MCU's done a great job of creating their own stories off of inspiration. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think we're going to get Mephisto. I don't necessarily know if that Luke Skywalker reveal is referring to Evan Peters, uh, you know, Quicksilver, Pietro, that, that thing. Um, I'm hoping, though, that at the end of this series, enough questions are answered that I'm not going to be mad. Right. And I mean, we've seen too many shows specifically in my head, Game of Thrones, where there are a thousand questions at the end of the show and you are left standing there with your with your palms open like what what did I just watch? Exactly. And and that that's what we want from the show. And obviously, the great part is is that this show can end and it still impacts a whole nother set of movies, shows. The uh, Winter Soldier and Falcons coming out. That's, I mean, these are you're gonna have a great. They're set up so well. I am. I'm actually very disappointed, and I think we talked about this before, um, at how DC tried to do something so different, because you have some really interesting characters there too, and you. You fucked it up. <laughs> they were late to the party, and then they tried to rush things, and the execution was awful. And the other thing that I'll say, DC characters individually are fantastic. When you bring them together, it's almost pointless because Superman and Wonder Woman are gods. Mm -hmm. Aquaman is like the king of Atlantis. He's a god. The Flash can run faster than you can probably, like, faster than you can, he's a god. The only person that's relatable in the DC universe is Batman. And that's why I think they have so much difficulty making these movies and these these characters that you, you would care about as an everyday person. Because it's like, well, geez, just by putting Superman on a team with Batman, they're, in un they're not beatable. Right. Wonder Woman with The Flash, you can't beat them. It's, right. like, it's all that well, kind of stuff. It's but then you think about like what Marvel has done and you have Thor who is a God. Mm -hmm. You then have uh, Wanda who can do pretty much anything and Dr. Strange who can do pretty much anything. Right. So you have a similar setup. Like you have two or three, four people who can do whatever they want. And then you have a couple people who aren't as powerful. You have, you have your Natasha's, you have a uh, Hawkeye, you have, Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's certainly not as powerful. Yeah, certainly not anymore. Bow and arrow man. <laughs> um, you have so you have all these things, and 
just the way that they did it, throwing the throwing a lot of these characters in the the movie together before they got their own standalone movies, I think will end up end up being their biggest mistake because nobody had the ability to connect to your Aquaman's, your Flashes, any anybody from Suicide Squad. One of one of the more relatable characters in the modern DC universe is Cyborg. Mm-hmm. And what they did to that character in the Justice League, where they basically just took that little scene in Batman vs. Superman, where he's like his father's having the mother box like imported into him, and then all of a sudden he's like walking down the streets of Gotham and oh, he used to play quarterback and oh here's Wonder Woman. Oh, we need your help. Okay. Uh well, we gotta get the flash to it. It was like boom, everything. Right. The Snyder Cut is going to be coming out in March. It's going to be like a four-hour movie. Yeah, if you got a full day to watch it, go ahead. Maybe it'll clear things up. But, I mean, everything that, that Kevin Feige and, and Marvel touch at this point, it, it just it turns to gold. Right. And, uh, again, the fact that we can sit here on Fridays or on a weekend and watch this 30, 40-minute show that is going to impact four or five different movies over the next two or three years. That is the fact that they were able to accomplish that and how big this has really gotten is, is so impressive. And it is, I think it's the thing that drags me into it the most is like that it, it, this is all connected and this will all have consequences. Everything that happens will impact the next three or four movies coming down the line. So it, I'm just so I'm so excited for I can't I already can't wait for Friday and I watched three episodes yesterday. <laughs> it's fire. It's fire. And I, I was gonna say this is now that they've gotten through episode five, and I think it's it's nine episodes or ten episodes. I don't remember which one it is. Mm-hmm. But now that they've gotten halfway through and it feels like a Marvel production again, yeah. I can safely say to people, if you are a Marvel fan, essentially do what you did. Right. Watch the first two episodes, separate it, give it like a little bit of a break, maybe like a day, watch the first two in a day, wait a day, and then come back and watch episode three. And you will be like, okay, I want more. Now I want to know the answer. Now I want to know what's going on here. Now I want to, and you'll continue to want more. And because they're releasing them on a weekly basis, it's just like reading a comic book. Right. It's, it's, um, it was interesting to see the one of the guys that I watched with. I had a, a couple people over to watch the Super Bowl yesterday, and uh, we're all some of us bigger than others, big Marvel fans. Um, and one of one of our guys hadn't seen the first two episodes at all, and I was like, I don't really want to watch the first two again. Like it's, it, it was it was good, but like it it was it drags. wasn't yeah it, it wasn't great. So what we did was we went to the beginning of episode two. And they played the little recap, the little three-minute thing. Played it. And I was like, all right, that's what happened in episode one. <laughs> and when just started episode three where they did the recap right there. That's a perfect like, idea. I was like, that's what you need to know. And by the end of episode five, we were all sitting there, even, even him who hadn't seen the first two, and we were all mouth open, just staring up at the TV like, wow, what an experience. <laughs> well, all right. So and we'll, we'll wrap it up with this. That final shot then where they show the new Quicksilver and you guys are kind of like clueless to what's going on. And I was predicting that to be the exact case. Like as soon as the the 
door bell rang or, or mm-hmm. what are they? I'm like, oh, it's going to be Quicksilver. And it's either going to be uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson or whatever the guy's name was or Evan Peters, but it's going to be Quicksilver. I was never for one second thinking anything else. Mm-hmm. So that kind of that reveal fell flat for me. Yeah. The cliffhanger in episode five, if you're a big fan and you listened to the rumors, you're going to be disappointed. And if you're not a fan and you have no idea who it is, you're going to be disappointed. So mm-hmm. hopefully it is not the uh, the Luke Skywalker reveal. Maybe 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 for the next time we do one of these recaps, uh, we should give maybe like our, our top three potential uh, cameos by the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think I just think episode five is a little too early for it to be that kind of reveal. I, I think she has to be talking about something more. I, I don't know who that could be, and we will discuss that. Yes, we will. All right, well, that's going to do it for another episode of Moving the Goalposts, episode 31. This was this was a fun one. This we finally awesome. we get to wrap up the NFL season. It's going to be tough, you know, going forward without football, but it gives us something to look forward to, and now we've officially hit the offseason. So New England Patriots... We're talking free agency, draft, uh, everything, mm-hmm. because this is going to be the most important offseason for this team in its franchise's history. Absolutely. Uh, got a chance to, once again, talk about Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl. We didn't mention Rob Gronkowski that much, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, totally fine with it. And then, uh, you know, we both finally got to talk about WandaVision halfway through the first season, theories, uh, little Easter eggs, things like that. Uh, I'm excited. I think as far as final blow, we're probably both just going to be saying WandaVision. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what everybody mm-hmm. should be looking forward to. Um, but in the meantime, you guys can interact with us. Uh, I said in the previous recording, we'll say it for the first time probably here as well. Uh, if you want to leave a voicemail, go ahead and do that on the Anchor app. You download the Anchor app, you create an account, and anytime we release a podcast episode, if you go in the description and click the link, it's going to take you to the Anchor website, and you can record yourself leaving a message. We can play it on the podcast. We can answer it. Anything you guys want to say, within reason, I guess. Right. Right. I, I, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to open it up for anything. But I would say most things, and it doesn't have to be about what we talked about that that episode or what what you think we're going to talk about. If it could lead us down a path of great discussions, like like Wandavision or uh, autographs, who knows when that that part of the episode is going to be out? Yep. Um, if it can lead us back to something like that, uh, I think it's worth it, and I, I want to hear from from other people. Um, because uh, like like we've said a few times, I'm sick of hearing our voices. We need we need fresh voices. We need right. fresh voices. But it, either way, if you uh you want to get in touch with either one of us, you can contact us on our social medias. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at nickmarin94. Mike, where do the listeners reach you? You can find me on Twitter at mike underscore masala. You can find me on Instagram at mike masala nfl. Follow the moving the goalposts Twitter and Instagram. They can be found at moving the posts. Mike. Till next time. Later, brother. Peace. I'm going to tell you a story.